Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first Thundercast of the 2022-2023 academic school year. I'm Anthony Colasuno, along with Chevy Blackburn. Chevy, how's your day going so far? Uh, not too bad. Just ready for talking about some sports and SUU. I think it's going to be a good good podcast, and it was a good weekend for SUU sports, too. So Definitely was. Do you want to go into what you have first? Yeah, so we'll start off with cross-country. Uh, we went up to the U of U Invitational this Thursday afternoon, and uh, they st- t- the women's team took third place at this event, and the men's team took fifth. For the women's, they had five freshmen and one sophomore on the team, and they had a pretty strong start. So it says the T-Birds and three had three runners finish in consecutive order as freshman Addie Dalton had a phenomenal start to her Phenomenal start to her collegiate career, recording a time of 20, 43.2. So 20 minutes, 43 seconds, 0.2. And then it says right after her was the 26th place was sophomore Gentry Pierce. And then after her, because they had the consecutive finishes, yeah. it was Katie Kelly who took 28th. And... um yeah, that's, that put him in the top three for women's. And then the men's were in the fifth position. Nathaniel Taylor led the way for us there, taking 18th place overall with a time of 1640.7. Uh, and then freshman Lance Larson followed Taylor, securing 25th with 1703.8. Uh, yeah, so cross country, they got off to a strong t- a strong start. Um, um. BYU was there, Idaho State, Salt Lake Community College, Southern Utah University, which is us, Utah, and Utah Valley. You know, Salt Lake Community College could have been just there for expedition reasons or, you know, maybe NCAA reasons. We mm-hmm. never know. Exactly. But, uh, but, yeah, so the yeah. women's got to a strong start then. Finishing yes. third yes. overall out of six. Uh, men's, obviously, can't win them all, but it's the first event or their first event of the season or one of their first events of the season i think they actually had some before school started could be wrong though but still early in the season in cross country and track field are usually some of the best programs here at suu by exactly. far and last last thursday was real hot for sure and i know oh, yeah. it was hot across the state so i could only imagine how they felt running if you want to go ahead and talk about a little bit about soccer and how they were doing yes so soccer has started made Make some waves across campus. Uh, soccer went 5-0, and which is their best start in program history and their longest winning streak ever in program history. They went 1-1 over the weekend. They shut out South Dakota 2-zip and then lost 2-1 to Cal State Fullerton. The same thing, Cal, Cal State Fullerton, really good team and when you always go against a college that is California-based, soccer is always one of the mainstay sports there, even in the high school level. Mm. So definitely that was going to be a tough matchup. One to two, I watched the highlights. SU did score first on the board, and then Cal State scored two straight goals. But we're not going to talk about that loss. We're going to talk how good this team is right now. Um and right now they maintain so much national rankings that it's insane. Right now, total goals, they are tied for third in the nation with 22. 
Total points tied for fifth. Save percentage tied for fifth. Scoring offense, they're eight in the nation, averaging almost four goals per game. Points per game, they are eighth. Goals against average tied for 11th. Win-loss percentage tied for 11th, 5-1, so 0.917 win percentage, which is really good to start off your season. And total assists tied for 12th in the nation, along with a bunch of other categories. And Sammy Sofania tied for fourth in the country in goals, and she leads in a number of categories, or at least is in the top five, top ten uh, in a bunch of categories, including points per game, goals per game. And Megan Short, the sophomore redshirt transfer from Colorado, tied for 10th in the country in save percentage and 18th in the country for goals against average. Yeah, soccer's killing it right now, honestly. Very much, and usually we haven't seen the success before from soccer. You know, usually about a five-win team altogether Mm -hmm. looking over their previous years, and this is their best start through, you know, program history, but also six games. The last best start was in 2014. Team went 7-7-2 on the season, and that was in 2014, and their best start was 3-3. So definitely a a step up from – Three and three to five and one. Granted, I did check the D one women's soccer rankings. They're not considered in it yet. I bet they'll definitely if they continue their winning ways. I think they'll definitely get some votes in that category. But so far, they're not in it. But it remains to be seen from this team. Definitely the uh, level of maturity because this team was really young last year, and you can see that coach Kai Edwards is just doing an amazing job with this roster that they have. Yeah, and on to uh, the next sport that we have, which would be volleyball. Uh, they played against Fuller- Cal Fullerton as well, Cal State Fullerton, who's 2-2 two and two in the Big West. Um, but, yeah, so they faced Fullerton, and they are actually off to an 0-4 start to the season, and they lost to Fullerton 2-3. Uh, to three. But I was looking at the statistics, and honestly, SU led in everything – I mean, errors as well, which isn't good, but uh, so they had 64 to, or SU had 64 kills to C, uh, CSF, Cal State Fullerton's uh, 52. They had 34 errors to their 31, attempting 178 to their 166, and their hitting was actually about 4% higher at. We'll round it up to 17. It's uh, 16.9. And uh, Fullerton's was 12.7. But in the end, yeah, SU just couldn't get it off. And it looks like that Fullerton just had a better defense overall because they had 14 blocks in comparison to SU's six blocks. Fullerton went up uh, two sets to none. So SU came back mm-hmm. and... It was back and forth, but one team would dominate early in the game, like going a ten to one run, mm-hmm. you know, start out the game, and then all of a sudden, as she would go like on a fourteen to eight run. So it was definitely that this game was back and forth, but what you know, whichever team um, expressed dominance earlier on was the one to get the victory in this uh, game. Yeah, fast starts are the best way to win games in any sport, honestly. So that's that's a good point you made. Like, SU did a good job trying to claw back, but 
there's just too big of a lead, sometimes you can't get back into those types of games. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's move on to our next topic, and this news just came out today. Mm-hmm. And men's basketball, which has been a staple over the past three to four years here, and, you know, Todd Simons took in this program that everyone said, you can't win at that school. You can't win with those cats. You can't win with them. And has took them to new heights and were, you know, one of the best teams on the West Coast of the United States in win percentage-wise. We're up there with some Pac-12 schools, Boise State and the Mountain West, mm-hmm. uh, numerous pro- num- numerous great programs. And Tiber Nation is welcome Urals Naren Jr. as the new men's assistant basketball coach. Um, Simon is very excited for this. Um, in the quote released by a press release by the athletic department, he brings an infectious energy and strong leadership. His experience in player development at the NBA college and prep school levels is going to benefit our program. Also, Naren Jr. has worked for Coach Tom Izzo at Michigan State, one of the best NCAA D1 basketball coaches of all time, has won some national championships and always, Michigan State's always a problem whenever you play against them. And also he has worked at EYBL as a coach, and that is AAU circuit basketball. Mm -hmm. And also he has worked with the Suns and had a head coaching gig at Sunrise Christian Academy where he took his team to a 24-2 record. Yeah, honestly, I think this is a great addition because looking at everything he's done, he's kind of worked at almost every level, it looks like, from pro, like NBA, college, prep, to high school. So every level he's worked at, and it seems like he's done a great, a good job at every level. So like like you're talking about the uh, AU Elite Summer Camp, or not Summer Camp, uh, Summer Tournament, he had a 26-4 and four record. And AAU is the best of the best in the league, like, in the country. Yeah, they so. just grab kids from all around exactly. and shove them on a court and say, here, go play basketball. And towards the end of the press release, and this is a little fun fact, he is the second Michigan State Spartan as a freshman to start in the Final Four joining Magic Johnson as the only other Spartan to, fit to, to start as a freshman in the Final Four. That's pretty cool. To share a fact with uh, Magic Johnson as the only other Spartan yeah, freshman to start in a Final Four. That's crazy because everyone knows who Magic Johnson is. So like, And just to be recognized in the same, like, having the same accomplishment of him, as him is just crazy, especially for the same team and everything. One thing that I thought was pretty, pretty cool that I found in the article as well was uh, – in his sophomore and junior seasons, he finished the year ranked first in Big Ten Conference in the assist-to-turnover ratio. That's So he he should be good in helping out with vision and everything like that because leading the assist-to-turnover ratio in the Big Ten, that's pretty good. Like, that's especially, like I said, for anybody, like anybody in college, especially the Big Ten Conference, it's amazing. And ball possession is just so important now at the mm-hmm. collegiate and also professional game. And that's going to help us out because last year we you know, lost two really good guys who were good in ball possession with 
uh, JK3 and uh, Dre Marine. Shout out to both of them. They're playing European basketball now at the oh, professional yeah. level. So shout out to both of them. But uh, yeah, you know, two of our greatest ball handlers. And I think he's just going to make that possession game, or, you know, build it around, you know, Spurgeon, Tevian Jones, Mason Fawcett. He's going to make it much more better with those guys yeah, just uh, returning. More, more efficient. And that's going to yeah. be. That's huge in any, like, sports with defense, like football. You have to protect the ball. So having the ball wins you the game. Same with basketball. You have to protect the ball because the more you turn it over, the more likely they're going to have – the other team's going to have opportunities. So uh, – and you can't bank on them not capitalizing on those opportunities. Absolutely, and this is going to be a great uh, asset to the team, especially with SU facing Colorado and Kansas uh, in their non-conference slate. Uh, this year and especially moving to the WAC and a lot more teams uh, you know in the WAC are great at pressuring the ball especially Grand Canyon University and you know it's going to be good because I believe they're doing a home and away series with Grand Canyon this year if I'm not mistaken and I would assume so Grand Canyon has one of the best home advantages in the country easily Um, and having that possession strategy on the road is going to be even more great because those opposing fans, they're going to try to get inside your head. They're going to try to be loud. They're going to try to force you into mistakes. And this is going to be a big, big asset to Coach Simon and this men's Thunderbird squad who are hopeful to possibly make the NCAA tournament for the second time in program history. Yeah, and I'm looking at it. It looks like they only have a home game against GCU this year. Okay. So Interesting. it should be it's gonna be towards the end of their seasons, their second to last or their yeah, second to last game, March first against Grand Canyon University here at the America First Event Center. Honestly, it's gonna be a good I think they're gonna have another good year because they did get uh D Barnes back, everything like that. So he was a huge part of the team last year. And having someone like him back, knowing what it takes, like because they've been, like you were saying, for the past, what, three or four years in the top of the big sky, like top three teams every year. Yeah. And, I mean, their home record in the last three seasons was 20, or is still 27-3. and three. Which is amazing. Yeah, that's great home court advantage and everything right there. Very much amazing. And now we'll move on to... The topic, one of the topics that's swarming around campus, and that is SUU football. Um, they won their home opener last Thursday up against St. Thomas, forty-four to thirteen. Thirteen. Um, Chevy, your thoughts on the game? On that? Honestly, I. So, from an SUU fan, if you guys don't know this. We haven't been the best for the past couple of years. <laughs> I believe we were O and and I have that pulled up right now. So we went O and four at home, and then one and six on the road. Last year's win, single win, being against, I believe it was oh, it was Tarleton State in that uh, showdown in Arlington, Texas, where they're at like the former stadium of like the Texas Rangers or something like that. It was a okay. baseball stadium. They like converted into a football stadium. I believe that was where it was at. So it definitely wasn't at Charleston state's home stadium. It was definitely a neutral, uh, neutral game. 
Yeah, but like so for my like what I was trying to get to the point of is the first two plays of the game from uh, St. Thomas, the Tommies was a touchdown. Yeah, one was like a sixty-two yard gain or a sixty-yard gain, and then right after that was another rushing play for a fifteen-yard touchdown. Yeah, and as SU fans, you're just looking at the game like, oh, we're in for another long game. But after that, it kind of just it looked like. The Tommies just went away from running the ball, which makes not much sense because they did a great job, and it seems like they do that well anyways. Uh, but honestly, credit to that to our defense. The defense played really good, especially in the secondary. Like, the secondary, they had two interceptions and a uh, forced fumble, I believe. Don't remember who forced the fumble, but the secondary had two of those interceptions. Yeah, it was just a good team game because you also had on the other side of the ball uh justin miller who actually earned the uh western athletic conference football offensive player of the week completed 23 of 35 of his passes for a 65 percent completion percentage or rate and uh he had 364 passing yards and four total touchdowns yeah and that's just insane and also Jake Girardi, the puncher, uh-huh. got WAC Special Teams Player of the Week. And probably because one of his punts was just this beauty of a punt that landed within the five-yard line uh, and gave the Tommies a very difficult field advantage to start. But, yeah, a bunch of players came up big. And, you know, we were sent together at the game. Uh-huh. And when those first two plays happened for the, for the Tommies, I'm like, crap, this season's not going to go yeah. well because – you would expect a 60-yard run middle of the game. You know, mm-hmm. both offense and defense are getting tired. Running backs are going to take advantage of that. And instead, it was first play of the game. Yeah. You know, the crowd's rocking. All of a sudden, you see uh, Hope uh, Abayo for uh, St. Thomas just break off yeah, was- into the secondary, and he's gone. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, wow. But it was a great comeback from them. Yeah, you know, SU defense forced two. Four turnovers, yeah, I believe. Two interceptions, two fumbles they recovered. Yes, and uh, for the interceptions, we have Roderick Ward and Davin Wilson, Davin Wilson, and then Zach Strand. And let me see who recovered the second fumble. I'm trying to see if I could find their name, but I can't at the moment. But... um. Yeah, just great job by transfer stepping up and uh, Mitch Price on uh, one of the safeties for us transfer mm-hmm. from BYU just came up big on numerous fourth down conversion attempts uh, by St. Thomas and just totally stopped them dry. And I can see he can be a, a total leader on the defense defense side of the ball. He was you know picking guys up, you know, just hyped up all the way. And when we talked to Coach Fitzgerald post game, one of the things he said was um, you know. The fans. The fans were just amazing throughout the game, um, something he's not used to. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, good start for the Coach Fitzgerald era. era. You know, also we can count in Isaiah Wooden. Oh, yeah, he had a game. He had a massive, massive game. Uh, he had over 100 yards receiving at five receptions, 142 yards, and two touchdowns as Tayase Matavala had five receptions, 96 yards, and one touchdown. He's the starting tight end for this Thunderbirds roster. He had a great game as well. And one thing that I do have to point out about, about the Thunderbirds is they have to do better on the rushing. Mm-hmm. And 
passing was amazing. Yeah, it was... We, we destroyed St. Thomas's secondary over and over again, but to have a good passing game, you have to have a good running game. You have to match it. You can't rely on one of the others because we've seen that so much with college teams and NFL teams relying on one aspect of offense so much that once the defense catches on, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and I think, honestly, like you're saying, I believe they, the whole, as a team, SU didn't have over 100 yards rushing, I believe is what it was. So they were held under 100 yards rushing. And like we were saying, it was 300 and, uh, what was it, 364, pa- 64 passing yards? Yep, 364. So that's a big disparity. Most of the time, especially for SUU, which is, we- like, not weird. We do have a new coach, Coach Delane Fitzgerald. But... We're predominantly known for running the ball with multiple backs. And just coming out and throwing the ball and just having it work was honestly really nice to see, especially for Justin Miller, like we were saying, who was the offensive player of the week for the WAC. This is his third year, and it's his red shirt. Or no, is it fourth year? Red shirt. He's a red shirt uh, junior, junior. So fourth junior this year in total. And – like, we were talking, me and you were talking and interviewing Coach Delane after the game. He said, Justin knows the offense better than most of the coaches because he's been here. He's been the only, like, main constant for the team. I think he's, like, honestly probably one of the longest starters, if I had to guess, because, like, he's – I don't think there's many people left with him when he first came in yeah. at SEU. Yeah. So I – I think it's just going to be a good year for him, just understanding the offense a lot better and actually having somebody like Isaiah Wooden who runs about a 4-4-40. Yeah. So he can take the top off the deep, top off the defense. And then uh, was it Massey? Yeah, Massey. Uh, just a big tight end and a great target for him. So it's, it's going to be – I think they'll have a good passing game this year, especially – once they get that running game going. Absolutely. I You know, this team could definitely be a team to make some noise in the WAC. Um, you know, it's going to be a smaller conference schedule. We have not a lot of teams in the Western Athletic Conference this year. Hopefully that changes mm-hmm. in the future. Um, you know, we face Utah Tech twice, which you usually don't see much in football. But overall, I think we can definitely make some noise. And this is just going to be a venture for football this year because first year – in a brand new conference, we don't know the teams much, and it's just going to be interesting to see because we're going from the Big Sky, which is known as one of the prime FCS uh, football conferences mm-hmm. out there with Mon- likes of Montana, Montana State, Eastern Washington, um, just to name a few. Um, I think definitely it's going to be a new new stage for SU football, and I think it's going to be a good one. Um, Dwayne Fisher did great coaching-wise, mm-hmm. and you can see he's a player's coach. He definitely defended his players and almost got e- e- ejected from the game. You know, the ref had to do a, oh, yeah. a unsportsmanlike conduct or whatever penalty on him because yeah. he ran out to the 50-yard line. and was... You know, but definitely he's a player's coach, and I love that about Dwayne Fitzgerald. Yeah, the play you're talking about is when, I don't remember the exact player who it was, but it was like a late hit, they called, or something like that. And it was it was close. I don't know if it was or not. Like, honestly, it looked like it was a close call. So you just got to respect the refs there. But obviously, Coach thought that uh, the refs were in the wrong. And instead of a, about a 15-yard penalty, we got about 30 yards in penalties. 
yeah. after his uh, unsportsman, unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, so it's a head-to-head hit, and mm-hmm. Delaney Fitzgerald That's what it was. disagreed with it because uh, the defensive back for Southern Utah got ejected from the contest because mm-hmm. of that because head-to-head hits are a no-go in the NCAA anymore mm-hmm. and just about player safety. But, um, yeah, I love Coach Fitzgerald's first game. I'm excited what he can do for SU football. I feel I feel like we have the right guy, to be honest. I feel yeah. like we got a good head coach that's going to, you know, represent the city and the university well. So for their next game, they're uh, going to be facing the University of Utah. Congratulations. You went against St. Thomas. You get to face the 13th-ranked team in the nation next. Exactly. And that will be, I believe it is this Saturday. Yes. Yeah, so this Saturday at 1130 Mountain Time. So, I mean, translate to, to where you live. If you're on the Pacific, it's 1030. If you're East Coast, that's 12 or 130. 130, yes. So we do have men's golf. That's going to be starting off this weekend uh, with their first event at the men's golf, Gene Miranda Falcon Invitational in Colorado uh, Springs. And then we also have some more volleyball games, and it looks like it's going to be a doubleheader for volleyball at the Boise State Classic. They'll be playing Eastern Washington University and Boise State. Or not, yeah, Boise State. And then Saturday, we already mentioned football. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday will be the second day of the men's golf Gene Miranda Falcon Invitational. And then at 12 p.m. Mountain Time, women's volleyball will finish off the Boise State Classic versus Butler, the Butler Bulldogs. And that will be it. And then looks like so. Looks like Sunday, they continue it. So it's a three-day event for men's golf. So a three-day tournament. Finish up that three-day event for men's golf, and it looks like they'll have classic. So yeah, the women's have day one and two of the Hobble Creek Fall Classic in Springville, Utah. So day one will be the twelfth, which is Monday, and then day two will be the thirteenth, which is Tuesday. Yes. Yep. Athletics are starting to get underway here at Southern Utah University, and it's just going to heat up from here. It really is. I'm excited to see what this season um, unfolds for every single program out there. Um, You know, starting out in the WAC, a lot of new ventures ahead, new journeys. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, starting in the WAC, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one because I don't know. SU has always done good but it's going to be interesting because they just have less teams there in the whack so it's going to be facing more like out of state independence and stuff like that so it should bring honestly I think when you face independence sometimes I feel like they're better than some other like division or schools and conferences because they don't have to worry about like who they play they just can play yeah. whoever as long exactly. as they Agree to that. So I think it should be a good year, and I think having five teams is going to be – it's five teams in the WAC right now, right? Yes, so football-wise, it's five teams Mm -hmm. in the WAC. But when you look at it other sports-wise, you at least have, you know, 10 – I think you at least have 12 uh, 12 other teams in basketball Mm -hmm. and also in volleyball. So numerous other teams that don't have football. So you're talking Utah Valley, Grand Canyon, Cal Baptist, um, just to name a few – 
that don't have a football program because mainly people look at football and be like, oh, we're in a five-team conference? Like, that's yeah. that's not right. But no, it's actually the complete opposite. Um, there's a lot of schools in the WAC that don't have a football program, but have a plethora of other sports programs. So uh, it's definitely going to be a uh, watch-out factor for other uh, athletic programs at Southern Utah, such as basketball, gymnastics, oh, yeah. volleyball, softball, because they're going to be facing so many more teams than what we're just covering in football. Yeah, exactly. And I like you were saying about basketball, I think it's going to be, honestly, a really good season for basketball, like in the WAC in general. Yeah. It's just I think that bringing in SUU, who's been basically a leader in the big sky for the past five about – for both of our teams, actually, men's and women's, yeah. for about the past four to five years, they've been about top three, top four every year. So it's going to be good for the competition that has that is already here in the WAC to see what it's like from a division up opponent, if you understand what I'm saying. Kind of like a conference up, yeah, basically, conference up and... Opponent. You know, yeah, we, you know, a bunch of us spoke about this last year and that the WAC could be a potential two-bid team for men's basketball for the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. One conference championship bid and possibly an at-large bid, depending on how that team is. As, as a big sky, it's just one bid. Mm-hmm. You, know, unless, you know, unless the conference champion, for example, let's say was Northern Arizona and then SU was like the 23rd-ranked team in the country. You know, yeah. unless you are literally one loss or undefeated you're not getting a second bid in the big sky as you could have possibly have four to five, even six losses and have wins against really good key teams and possibly make the WAC, um, not the WAC, where are you in the WAC? Um, the NCAA tournament yeah. or possibly even the NIT. Um, definitely, you know, this is a step up for men's and women's basketball. I'm excited to see what this season definitely unfolds. You have been listening to the Thundercast. I'm Anthony Colasuno. And I'm Chevy Blackburn. Stay tuned for next time. See ya.